Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Of course, Scots Gaelic for Achtung Achtung. I think. Oh God, our mailbags are really groaning with uh, um, angry Neds. It's um, a tricky what, one what, when you've got lots of vowels. How do you pronounce them? Yeah, well, I, I think we move on is what we do. But what relevance <laughs> hath this? I hear you cry. Well, did you know, James, that two Gaelic-speaking soldiers escaped their German captors in 1940 after convincing them they were from the Soviet Union? No. The men responded. Yeah, the men responded to questioning by answering in Gaelic, much to the confusion of their captors. So they were shown a world atlas and asked to point out their home nation, and they chose Ukraine. The German <laughs> officers consulted each other and let, and they let them walk out with the prison camp free men. Our quick-witted Gaelic-speaking heroes promptly set off for Spain. How about that? That's a good story to start the new year. It's and a welcome, story. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Happy New Year, uh, We Have yeah, Ways Yeah, Happy New Year to l- everyone. I don't know what the statute of limit- limitations on Happy New Year is. I mean, this is well into January, but we'll, we haven't done it, so then we've done it now. There we go. Thanks I to think all you all right. the... Yeah, it's, it's acceptable, isn't it? Yeah, completely. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to all of you who joined the battalion over Christmas. Our book readings seem to have entertained a good number of you. Yeah, we've had some lovely comments on Twitter and via our email. So those older people, obviously. The older people. <laughs> it's nice to help the old people at Christmas, isn't it? I like this one from the fabulously named Bronson Sainsbury, who's presumably in Australia. That's a porn oh. name. Do you think? Yeah, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use an Aussie accent. Oh, thanks for the podcast, gents. Getting <laughs> things done outside has been particularly challenging this Christmas with the 40 degree days and constant smoke haze from the bushfires. But we have ways has made it much more bearable. Good on you, mate. Fair dinkum. Now, some <laughs> listeners found new books. Others rediscovered old friends. Paul Tinson listened to my reading of Guy Sager's The Forgotten Soldier and got in touch to say thanks, gentlemen. Well thumbed copy, duly dusted off once more. And Michael Koning got in touch to say, I love yeah, the What voice you doing for this? Come on. What, what voice you doing for Michael Koning? Come on. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Dutch. I mean, Koning sounds a little bit... He's got... Dutch. Sure, you've yeah, got to okay. do a sexy Dutch voice. <laughs> okay. I love the hashtag We Have Ways podcast. I was listening to James reading from the unvormanly face of war. In the third story about the partisans, the mother had to give her daughter to a pilot. She was reunited with her son, but what happened to her daughter? Moving stuff. It certainly isn't in that accident. <laughs> Crikey, we don't know, and that's the nature of that book. Of course, is it? Is it's it's just these fragments, it's these yep. bits and pieces, and there's you've no real ever ever really any way of knowing where the stories lead and where they end. And that's sort of the that's the sort of point, of course. Yeah, it is, and it is really, and it does make you think, and it does make you, um, it, it does leave you hanging there, and yeah. and it is frustrating at times. But God, some yeah. of those stories are just amazing, and I mean, you know, I chose I think three of them, but I. God, I could have chosen any number of others. Yeah, but she won a she won a Nobel Prize for her for um, uh, Svetlana Alexeyevich, and then was thrown out of Russia by Putin. Yeah, because because she's basically too down on 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 the Ru- Russian governments of various stripes. Anyway, um, here's a here's one from a belter from Wayne Peters, having been fascinated by Al's reading from Ken Tout's Tank exclamation mark book on a recent hashtag We Have Ways. I loaned it from the library. Turns out I'm the first person to learn this, loan this particular copy in 26 years. Wow. Oh, I, yeah, Ken, I don't know what to make I, of that. 
I Ken mean, enjoys that 0. 0.409 pence he gets for the loan of the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's quite a good signing up that with that uh, with the PLR public lending lending rights because if you do, mm. you just have to sort of register your book and then you do get a kind of four p every time someone takes it out or something. Oh. yeah, it's nice. What's the most holiday check, what's funding? The biggest check? Yeah, because I'm a member of a, a, a there's a thing called the Performing Rights Society and they send you uh, not not the PRS, it's a different one. It's a different one. I can never remember what it's called. That's why I remember the wrong name for it. And every now and again, you get a check. For a thing I worked on like twenty years ago, and it's yeah. like for it's literally for eighty seven p, and you're like, well, yeah. finally it's it's rolling in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my problem is I haven't updated it, so I've got lots of editions ah. and lots of books, which is obviously yeah. you know very much to my advantage, and I'm not making the yeah. most of it. So I really need to get a yeah. grip and sort yeah, it you out. Do. Anyway. Get your finger out, James. New Year, yes. New Year's so, resolution. New Year, New Year's resolution. Um, so we're recording this in the second week of January, twenty twenty. And that means it's a big anniversary year, of course, because yep. it's the 80th anniversary of the Battle of Britain and Dunkirk and all Battle that. But it's also 75 yep. years ago, about now, the British were clearing out the Ruhr as part of Operation Blackcock. Um, and if any of you heard my recent chat with uh, Major General Stuart Watson, you'll have heard him talking about it because he was there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Red Army, of course, was now fighting through East Prussia towards Berlin. Uh, General Slim was gearing up to uh, chase the Japanese across the Irrawaddy River in Burma and the Americans were starting to smash up Tokyo from the air. And this is the point, on. really. 75 years ago, it's now that the Arden Offensive has run out of juice. Yep. The Germans have been have held up, and we can, I think we can say defeated um, in the Arden Offensive by this point. Um, have we had the disastrous Monty press conference yet? What date's that on? Is that a little later in January? Is that sort of yeah, in the yeah, 20s, yeah. isn't it? In, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. I can't anyway, Don't put me on the uh, spot. Yeah, uh, all right. I but won't. it's around uh, now. But, it's about round now. But it's around now. But what's happening in Germany is is collapse, isn't it? Is that yep. the, 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 you've reached the point where the rail transport network has basically been completely paralysed. February. February is the month so where that, so it's just that coming implodes. Up. Yeah, it's just yeah. about to close. And, the, and, and it's really interesting because the Reichsbahn, the German, German railway system, really is the glue that keeps the war effort together. Yeah. It, you, everything because, comes and goes. Because that's how they move the coal around. Because they have no oil, yeah, and they're rely- entirely they reliant on coal, yeah, and 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 the basically the whole thing comes to a grinding halt next, ne- essentially next month, yes. seventy five years next ago, month. next month, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what what and is in- amazing is just the level of casualties in Northwest Europe, yeah, yeah. between now and beginning of May nineteen forty five, in that five well sort of four or five month period, just how bitter and brutal the fighting is is just just begs belief, and yet. Ironically, I would say it's probably the period of the Second World War about it's which written most about people least. know least. Yeah, no, it's just not written about at all. And uh, you've got you've got uh, you know Blackcock and all these gigantic <laughs> operations going yeah. on, yeah. teeing up to cross the Rhine. So basically, yeah. now now that now that the bulge is over, you've got a series of attempts to uh, basically get the lines and the jumping off points ready. So you're, you're tidying up around Nijmegen, the gross bait. You've got the Hurtgen battle has yep. happened. Yep. Um, you know, and it's all this basically getting ready to jump off for the spring season of fighting. Yes. Um, which after all, the British in particular thought the war would have ended by the end of 1944. So the yep. British know that, but we're running on, we're running on fumes politically because it's the Americans who are going to strike the decisive blow in the West it's just because they outnumber us sort of four to one by this point, and the us and the Canadians and the Russians are going to. The, 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 there's sort of no argument the Russians are going to end up taking Berlin, because 
Or, yeah, although, Eisenhower's but, already accepted that. He's already I mean, decided. He, he wants them yeah. to do it because why Why? why yeah. go and lose lots of uh, American but other allied um, lives over very, very bitter fighting for the capital of the Third yeah. Reich when you can get someone yeah. else to, to lose their young young men it, over it instead? Do it for you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. Quite, it's, quite, so, it's quite ruthless and pragmatic. Yeah, oh, and it's completely understandable. But 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 I mean, I, I've because I've just been um, I've just been reading uh, Mark Mazower's book um, Hitler's Empire, which is about occupied Europe and, and Nazi rule in occupied Europe. And the, the 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 I mean, obviously, what you've got at the end here is you've got a complete collapse in all of their systems. So, for instance, slave labor you've 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 run you've you've run out of food, people. You've uh, you, you, you've got that very odd thing where basically they they need people to work for them because otherwise they just don't have the they don't have the hands to make the stuff they need made. But they've been treating them really shitly and starving them, so the workforce is deteriorating even even as it gets bigger. Yeah. So you've got all these tensions going on, and all basically it's the point where all the contradictions in the way the Nazis have been running things just completely uh, uh, sort of crowd each other out. Yes, and the system, the system can't. The system, such as it did work, just can't work anymore. No, and you, you, and so you end up in this sort of end game where terror is the thing keeping things going. Um, the fear of Armageddon, fear of Armageddon, fatalism, um, uh, and this idea that uh, you know there's only one way out of this war, and that's to lose it spectacularly. Yep. If you can't win it spectacularly, you lose it to the last round spectacularly. Because that's what's so weird about the Second World War is, is you've already had the decisive battle that would have ended this if this were a traditional a traditional war, you know, like a traditional Well, I've, you know, I'm war. sure I've said it before, but I mean, if you think about the end of the First World War, the armistice in November 1918, why do the Germans throw in the towel? It's because they've run out of cash and they're not going to win. You know, by yeah. you know, by, by, by those um, guidelines on, on how to conclude a war, you know, the Germans should have done it in November 1941. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they just keep going. And this is this is. I mean, you know, you you wander around Germany in in the first half of 1945, and literally every city is wrecked. And if it isn't wrecked, it's yeah. going to be by the beginning of May 1945. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we keep. I'm sure we'll touch on Dresden and things in in February when we're we're talking in February. But it, it is, you know, what the Allies keep saying is. If you want us to stop smashing your cities, just give up. Yeah, give <laughs> you up. Know, the, moment you know you, the moment you surrender, you, the bombing yeah. will stop. Because you know you've lost. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, 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 so this this book this book I've been reading, I've, I've come across some really amazing stuff. So the the really interesting thing is, because um, uh, the, the, I was just talking about how that you know the, the system was, you know, you could argue that the, the Nazi system or the Reich, let's call it the Reich. To in, so we can include everything is this so is so sclerotic so you've got the party yeah. you've got the ss which is centralized around himmler and is trying to draw power to itself you've got the german state yep. so the german civil service who are basically going yeah sure that, yeah that's a great idea now how are we actually going to implement it we don't have the people you do know that's going to mean that your other policy can't possibly work and doing all this of boring attempting to realize Nazi policy in the civil service. Then you got Hitler running a personal government because the cabinet doesn't meet after 1938-39. No. Just doesn't ever meet again. No, it's, it's all done through the OKW. And the OKW exactly. is and the OKW while inherently sensible because it's a it's a um, a tri-service um uh, military operate you know general staff is still just Hitler's court. 
It's not a government. And, 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 no, it's not a government. The person who's really running the show, um, by certainly before the assassination attempt, most definitely after the assassination attempt of July 1944, is Martin Bormann. I mean, yeah. he is the de facto ruler of Nazi Germany. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Hitler, what but, Hitler says but, still but that, counts, but, but he but, is doing the day-to-day running. You but, know, but, he's the prime minister to Hitler's but president. He's doing it, but he's doing that in the party. Then you've got Himmler accruing power to himself and trying to centralise and trying to run everything on the uh, on the SS. I mean, the interesting thing is the parties, by the end of the war, the party's not that impo- important. Muller, who's head of the Gestapo, never joined the Nazi party. He was never a member. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? But got all the way to the top. So you, so, so the party sort of becoming increasingly, argued is becoming increasingly irrelevant. The SS is the SS has sort of has peaked yep. because after all, after all, the SS's problem in 1945 is all those people it's been murdering in large amounts. It's now being caught, caught out. You know that the Russians are starting to discover concentration camps, all this sort of thing, in, in early 45. So he's peaked. Uh, and then the, the German state, I mean, the, the fascinating thing is the German state is going, right, OK, uh, we'll try and keep things going and can't because because absolutely everything is contradicting everything so everything else. But the fascinating thing is Frank in um, the amazing thing, the general government in Frank, which is one of the Gao in which yes. is a big chunk of Poland that is then turned into this thing called the general government, general yes. government that Frank government, is in charge yeah. of. And Frank's a lawyer. Yeah. And Frank gets into this terrible row with Hitler about the law because Frank because he's Frank's and what I'm going to do it, it, talking he was about Hitler's really lawyer fun. in the late 1920s and early 30s but Frank because he's a lot because he's a Nazi believes in order right so yep. he believes in the law as the way of of bringing in order Hitler because he's a Nazi believes in being allowed to do whatever he likes right because <laughs> he's a Fuhrer right so because he's the Fuhrer so you immediately have a collision and you end up this th- thing and then the and, and then Himmler because he's trying to accrue power to self police, he can do whatever he likes. So in 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 Poland, in this bit of Poland, where where of course you've had the Holocaust of the, of the bullets, you know, you've had the the murder of the Jews in large amounts. Frank is trying to bring about rule of law so that there's a functioning state. Hitler's saying, you know, we don't need to worry about that because after all, um, if we create a lawless place, we can do what we like, and in the vacuum, we can we can carry on any way we want. Which is the point. Um, Tim Snyder makes in his book Bloodlands and, and Black Earth. You know, so if you yep. create a, a if you create a, a place where there's no law, you can literally do what you want and murder hundreds of thousands of people, and it's not illegal because there's no law. But Frank's a lawyer, so Frank wants law, and then Himmler's crashing around, going, "Well, anyway, I'm having this town, and we're going to we're going to turn it into a uh, into a sort of uh, hub of pure Nazi um, uh, Germans, and yep. and and all this going on all at once in the one place, and you end up with this thing where." Frank makes a speech about how important the law is and he's cheered by all the lawyers in Berlin. Hitler the next day <laughs> issues a speech going, ah, oh, lawyers are shit and overrated. If there's one kind of person I hate in the world, it's lawyers. And then Himmler going, yeah, the Fuhrer is absolutely right and lawyers, lawyers stink. And, and I had no, you know, because we have, I think, this conception of Nazi Germany, the Reich, as this totalitarian system where there was one way of doing things, one rule. I mean, what actually you've got is people fighting like rats in a sack. And because National Socialism, in lots of ways, is kind of vague and you fill in the blanks for yourself, you've got all these people filling in the blanks. You know, the Fuhrer worked to working towards the Fuhrer, that idea. Filling in the blanks for themselves. And then, obviously, or they're all competing for the same political space as each other. So no wonder when you put it under the pressure that you, we're talking about the turn yeah, the of war, then it all just goes completely. It's obviously going to completely collapse in on itself. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. So, I mean, what, what, it, what is amazing, amazing is, is, is this sort of paradox between the iron control of the Führer and the total yep. lack of control by the Führer. Yeah. The, the, there yeah, is yeah. So, there's so much that's not written. I mean, yep. you, know, you know, exterminate six million Jews is never written out. It, no. it's, 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 it's always implied. It's just, you know, the Hitlerian way of doing it is saying, you know, this is my bottom line. This is what I want to happen. Yeah. Go off and do it. Just just do it. And yeah. and so you do get these fiefdoms and, and you do get these clashes. And I mean, Hans Frank is a really, really interesting character because he's just oily, you know, and he's in, but but he's incredibly clever. He's incredibly yeah. clever. He's incredibly cultured. He's, um, you know, he, he's not quite concert pianist level, but he's a musician. Um, yeah, he's married yeah. to this absolute monster of a wife, Brigitte Frank, who is just horrible. And they have all their lovely moppets and stuff. And they have, you know, and Hans Frank is having endless affairs and threatens to, to um, divorce Brigitte. And Brigitte kind of involves Hitler. And Hitler basically tells Hans Frank he can't get divorced. So they kind of stay together. <laughs> they hold themselves up in Vavel Castle, which is absolutely beautiful. And like every, all the other leading Nazis, he steals lots of sort of priceless works of art including um, The Lady with the Ermine by um, uh, Leonardo da Vinci, yeah. and also yeah. The Portrait of the Young Mayan by Rubens. And this is, this is the most valuable missing painting from the Nazi period. I mean, no, no one has seen it. There's no confirmed oh, sighting wow. of it since April or something, March 1945. Um, it just hasn't been seen. It's but they were hanging up. some spitfires in Burma, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It's not, probably. Um, but, but interestingly, um, you know, the portrait of the, of the young artist and um, the lady with the ermine, they were just hanging up in their private apartments in Favel Castle. And I've got to know Nicholas Frank, who was um, his youngest son, and yeah. the only time I, I walked through Vavel Castle with Nicholas, who is just a lovely guy. I mean, he's quite eccentric, but he's but he's very funny. Um, I mean, you'd absolutely love him. He loves a drink, yeah. loves a laugh. I mean, he's he's very yeah. well read, all those sort of things. But he's very um, uh, excuse the pun. I mean, he's very very frank about his about his yeah. parents and. Um, he just says, you know, my, you know, my mother was a total bitch from hell. I mean, I absolutely hated wow. her. And his dad, he said, the only time. So I was walking through Vavel Castle and through the old apartments that they had. And he took him into, he took me into his father's bedroom. And there was this really amazing bathroom sort of attached to the bedroom. Yeah. Uh, and the bath, you sort of stepped up and then stepped down. It was all absolutely fantastic. It was amazing sink and everything. And he said the only time his father showed him any personal affection was when he came in once and his father was shaving and he dabbed a little bit of shaving foam from his cheek and dabbed it on the end of his nose. And he said that's the only kind that's of... That's it. That was it. He said in no hugs, no kind of a love you son and none of that kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, I mean, this is really weird. But 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 Nicholas carries a picture of his father dead after he was hanged at Nuremberg about his person the whole time, just to remind himself just how ghastly his father was. Bloody hell. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, well, it, it, you know, but but just imagine having that baggage. I mean, having that baggage. Well, that's quite that's considerable baggage. Yeah, I mean, and he, and his and his mum used to go out, and they used to go out in a car for an evening of just sort of cruising through the through the ghetto, yeah. just to sort of yeah, yeah. ogle at the Jews. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, really uh, grim, but amazing right. guy. And then the legacy of having to deal with this, having to come to terms with this over his entire life. I mean, yeah. Wow. I mean, just amazing. 
And so his father was hanged, obviously, and his mother was yeah, sort of yeah. reduced to nothing. I mean, Hans, you know, and so what happened to the what happened to the Rubens, for example? I mean, basically, his mum sold it, you know, just to kind of <laughs> eke out an existence post-war. Jesus. Yeah. Right. Well, time to take a short go. break. Yeah, absolutely. Time to take a short break while I metaphorically stride across my own Irrawaddy River in pursuit of the Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. As many of you know, we use the Twitter hashtag WeHaveWays to start conversations and debates. And the occasionally wonderful thing about untrammeled social media is it produces extraordinary rabbit holes. <laughs> now, some of you uh, may also know my part-time job is a landlord of a boozer, <coughs> kind of. So imagine my delight on discovering this thread on our hashtag. And it was Dan Jackson, who's um, at Northumbriana, who's written a brilliant book about um, the Northeast, about his patch, basically. Right. Um, called The Northumbrians, that I would recommend. Here, here we go. Um, and he set this off. And um, this is his, his thread, but he hashtagged it with us, so we're going to nab it. Um, <laughs> maybe a question for hashtag we have ways. Do we know of any pubs named after events or personalities in World War Two? The old Contemptibles in Birmingham springs to mind, commemorating the BEF, who the Kaiser called contemptibly small. But obviously, that's World War One. Well, Toby Saul then responded, there was a pub called the Victoria Cross on Jack Cornwall Street in East London. Both pub and street commemorated the 16-year-old boy who won the VC at the Battle of Jutland, also First World War. Pub now closed. Which then prompted Tony Henderson to add the Kelly Pub in Hebben after HMS Kelly built after HMS Kelly built ah. at the town's Hawthorne Leslie Yard and whose epic struggle back to the Tyne after being torpedoed was the inspiration for the film in which we serve. Which of course is all about Mountbatten torpedoed yeah. just after yeah, Crete. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely, how bloody ghastly I've been torpedoed. <laughs> it's uh, no coward, isn't it? Yes. Oh dear, we seem to have been torpedoed again. Oh torpedoed, what a talking gust- incredibly crispy. What a ghastly state of affairs. Yes. But don't be. But, but, but whatever happens, don't be beastly to the Germans. <laughs> um, uh, so under the frog hopped in. Boom. Um, there's the John Brunt VC in Paddock Wood, Kent. He received the medal posthumously in Italy in 1944. That's good. Bit well, not good that he yeah. died, obviously, but good that he's got a pub after him. Bit of a spit yeah. and sawdust boozer, but clearly named after a hell of a soldier. Steve Elwood wondered, I've often wondered if the balloon on Silver Lonnon was named after the balloons that used to be based at the anti-aircraft battery, which was nearby. And then Steve chipped in with, just check Brian Benison's Lost Weekends at History of Newcastle's Public Houses, Volume 3, That's The amazing. West. Amazing. <laughs> you think three. you've written a lot of volumes about The West. Yes. <laughs> this guy's... <laughs> well, I haven't got to and Volume sure 3 enough, well, well, yeah, and sure enough, a barrage balloon was located more or less where the pub was built. Evidently, the original plan for it was to be named the Fenham Hotel, opened in 1954. And James Muir is seeking help from our followers of this one. There used to be a pub in King's Cross called The Escape, which had maps printed on silk, etc., in glass cases around the walls. Tried to find it a couple of years ago, but there was no sign of it. Alex 2.0 comments the church alarms on Kensington Church Street is a great boozer and almost a museum in its own right. Paul Smitty reminds us of the Douglas Barder in Martlesham Heap. Yes, a very famous pub, which prompted Nelson Brown great, to point out the Douglas great Barber place pub. to go get legless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obliged. Yeah, yeah. obliged. No, you got to it. You had to say it. You had to say it. <laughs> the Douglas Barter Pub is on the site of the airfield runaway. The airfield runaway. The airfield runway at Martlesham Heath near Ipswich. 
And there's another World War One reference from Tim Evans, but well worthy of a mention. The Leif Robinson VC yes. in Harrow. Um, now a Miller and Carter was uh, named after the first British pilot to shoot down a German airship over Britain during the First World War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Daniel Todman, our friend Daniel Todman, set this challenge. Um, and you've just read his book, haven't you? Uh, oh, and, we're, and, we're, yeah. and we wow. are going to be catching up with Dan. We are, yeah, he is brilliant. coming on. Um, can any That's Second exciting. World War figure match the Douglas Haig triple? He had at least two pubs, a glacier and an Argentinian football club named after him. <laughs> Did he really? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And before anyone cries nonsense, we checked. A, a club, Atletico Douglas Haig, is an Argentine football club from Pergamino, Buenos Aires province, which currently plays in the country's third division. So there. Amazing. There's attritional football, I expect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it takes a long time. Um, And Dr. Phil Weir points out, Banbury used to have the Admiral Holland, named after locally born Vice Admiral Lancelot Holland, who was lost aboard HMS Hood. Nothing to do with me, by the way. Ooh. Liz Reese reminds us there's a Chindit in Wolverhampton. Yeah. And again, we did a bit of digging. The first animal was an ex-soldier who'd served with the Chindits in uh, Burma during World War II. And he named the pub after his comrades the Chindit. Chindits, how about that? Wow. Yeah, I bet there's more. Yeah, there's, a pub called the, there's a pub called the Redan in, um, uh, uh, in oh God, where is it? Redan, oh, the Redan. The Redan, which is a, which is a battle in um, uh, uh, the Crimean War. Yeah. Um, yeah, near Whiteley's shopping centre. <laughs> that just seems so unlikely, doesn't it? I only it? know that because there used to be a comedy gig there. Right, okay. And, and uh, my, yeah, anyway. Well, now, so, uh, <clears throat> so, um, Blind Lemon Harvey has written to us. So we've got some, we've got some Twitter questions because, I mean, it, this rather feels like we're back at school, doesn't it, James? Yeah, it does a little bit. Not done one of these in a while. There's a little bit of housekeeping to do, so catching up. Yeah, and all yeah, these yeah. Lovely, well, it's been quite a long time, things. isn't it? And we've had Christmas yeah. and lots of people have been emailing in. We're, you know, yeah. got to answer so a few blind, of them. Blind Lemon Harvey asks, have you, will you see Jojo Rabbit? I would be interested to hear your historical thought on it. Now, you've not seen it, have you? No, but I'm I am absolutely itching to. I really, really well, want to see it. But I live I in the country. Last, I, yeah, well, of course. Yeah, so you know, what, what happens? They bring a van round and project it on the side of the church. <laughs> that sort of thing. They do, they do do lots of films in village halls and stuff around here, but they always tend to be yeah. about three months later. Well, being in the big city... Um, right, there, pro- uh, there probably is on in Salisbury, eventually. Yeah. But... Are, are, yeah. Well, I've seen it. Okay, so tell, tell us all about it. it. Is it good? Is it good? On the, it, it is... It's, uh, well, yeah, it is good. It's well worth seeing as well. It's not just it's just a good film. It's well worth seeing. Right. And the the, the thing I found really interesting about it is... Um, is you know 1917's out this weekend so yes, the, it is. Uh, yeah, tonight, uh, we're, I think. we're recording it in fact we're recording it today the, the, the day this is being recorded the day it's released and there's been a lot of hoo-ha on amongst first world war history um uh the first world history community about how they th- judging by what they've seen there's been, some liberties been taken possibly the kit weapons handling all that sort of thing and and the uh, you know the stuff that the stuff that bothers the people that know, yes. right? And obviously, the film have gone. It's drama. We're telling a story. Let's not worry about it. Mm. But at the same time, the film's going. This tells the truth about the First World War. So they're going. Well, make your minds up. Yeah. For one co- cotton picking minute. Actually, so that made actually me- filmed very close to here. It's filmed on Salisbury Plain, just north of of Stonehenge. Really? Yep. Oh, and loads and loads of local lads around here were extras in, in it. it. Yeah. And it's very interesting. Uh, and a, a friend of mine from the cricket club, his son, Harry, was in it. Harry Warman. And I just sort of thinking, you know, if I'm Dan or Sarah, I'm Harry's parents, seeing your son, your 19-year-old son, and he still looks very young, I have to add, yeah. in his kit, 
charging out of the trench over no man's land. That has got to make you stop and think, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what the filmmakers are going for. But but the point I'm making is Jojo Rabbit, right? Um, no one's going, hang on a minute, this isn't historically accurate. Because after all, it's about a little boy with his, whose imaginary friend is Hitler. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so the, 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 yet, having said that, the thing is, this film's basically set in 1945. Germany's falling in on itself. The Nazis have run out, are running out of road. This film is, I thought, was kind of truthful to all the stuff we've just been talking about. Right. Um, even though it's 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 a it, you know it's a it's a it's a, a sense, it's a comedy and it's a fantasy and it's it's got all these other things going on in it, in it. It's a study of fanaticism. It 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 really head on takes on the racism that 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 was you know that, that ran through as a very thick seam through every aspect of national socialism. Right. So it's got it re- and it absolutely chases that head head on and i'm not that isn't me offering a spoiler in any ways anyone's not seen it so in that sense um it's as it's it's as truthful a movie even though you know there's some there are things in it that are plainly wrong and absurd and don't make any sense and 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 um, at one point i was going well one but hang on a minute that that you know but we don't they don't tell us where it's meant to be it's a you know it's germany it's an allegory it's 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 the 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 one it's about Germany, the whole thing, and about Nazism and fanaticism, and and then the good in people and all that sort of stuff. And it, I would I would really recommend it. And if you want if you want a, a picture of Germany falling in on itself at the end of the war, you'd do as well to watch this. I think a- a- actually, and the stuff we've all, we've just been talking about in a strange way. Well, I can't the wait. Desperation. I'm definitely going to see it. Yeah, yeah, it's really fantastic. And 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 um. And we so we're while we're talking, let's so let's 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 just talk about films now because we did the we did the heavy shit in the first part. Um, <laughs> evil, uh, someone calling themselves the evil coins as love the podcast. Actually, fucking love the podcast. Um, uh, I know you try and steer away from films, but can you point at some point spotlight the best World War Two film ever and its efforts to tell a proper gritty story, The Cruel Sea? Now you're a big fan of The Cruel Sea, aren't you, James? Well, I do, and I just I, you know if you're trying to sort of think of what is the most accurate film in terms of and and what does that what does accurate mean of course or you know yeah. your webbing and your kit of course um but but it's a sort of mood piece isn't it because if you look at something like fury you know all the kit looks is is spot on i mean i can i couldn't find any yeah. any fault with any of that it was all absolutely yeah. perfect you know the the problem with fury obviously the last bit the cross the the crossroads you just call in air support you wouldn't be sitting around kind of getting decimated by a waffen ss unit which yeah. wouldn't be marching during the day anyway um and so, there's, yeah. so there's all sort of problems with that but actually the thing that really doesn't work is the language the language is a second decade of the 21st century language yep. transported to a 1945 scenario and it's kind yep. of it's almost as though it's been made for people who play kind of sort of medal of honor and, and kind of world of tanks or whatever um yeah uh, uh, and that's the fundamental there's a lot of them though yes there's a lot of there them. are they go to the yeah, cinema, yeah i'm yeah. sure they loved it um yeah. but but that's for me. That's that's a sort of a big problem. And I think when you're talking about accurate films, what you're what you're looking for is is a mood piece. You're looking for something that accurately reflects the relationships of those who were caught up in it. It actually accurately reflects the the decisions and and um, uh, problems and challenges that were facing people on a day to day basis. And you want all the kit to be accurate as well. Uh, and from those categories you simply cannot fault the cruel sea because literally everyone in it was in the second world war they used a real corvette it was filmed you know 
10 years after the war ended. Um, it was written by Nicholas Montserrat, who had been, you know, it's very, very autobiographical. And it's just, it's just, it's just a brilliant, brilliant film. I'm not saying it's my favourite war film, but in terms of accuracy, I can't think of a better one. Well, and it's not got any, um, it, it, it's not got any airs and graces, has it? And no. it's, and it, 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 it's not, it's, I mean, it's not that it's unstinting in the horror no. and all that, which, which of course is the, which is of course the sort of modern way of doing it. You, you know, you need to exp- you need to show that war's hell. They knew that if you're making a film in the fifties. People know that they know perfectly well what. It but means, but I think they also get across very and... well the, the the sort of terrible discomfort of being in a small tin can yeah. on the kind of on on the sort of on the cruel sea of the of the Atlantic. Yeah. And you know and the other thing which they bring in very very neatly, which I think is very good, is the fact that you know they come back. You know they finally got off the Atlantic they come back for a little bit of leave and so I can't remember who it is but one of them one of them they, they sort of lose their family in the Liverpool Blitz yeah, yeah. of course you know and that happened um, and, yeah. and you know it's based on real events and it's just it just resonates for those reasons I think yeah yeah um, now uh, so Richie D then asks we all know what the best war film is but sadly it isn't based on a true story however what was the closest real life mission to where eagles dare for heaven's sake <laughs> Well, well, it depends what you mean, like unassailable castle or or um or allied, allied cooperation on a on a on a busting a spy ring open. I mean, what are we talking here? Well, you know the the uh, the, the the attempt in northern Italy to go and and, and go and shoot up um, uh, Kasserring and, and uh, von Weitinghoff in from their yep. their lair in northern Italy. Um, I suppose that's 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 one of them. Um, they they do that. Then there's all those individual missions where they go into sort of you know very snowy places. There's um, Operation Muscatoon, which is one of my favourite, where they blow yeah. up a hydroelectric plant in Norway, um, and that yeah. involves lots of sort of uh, um, a scene very similar to the opening scene with the Junkers fifty two kind of flying across. Although obviously they don't go over in a Junkers yeah. fifty two. There's quite a lot of that kind of stuff going on, I think. Um, but but you know but but it's. But it's fantasy. I mean, it's total fantasy, yeah. and it's ludicrous. But it's a completely brilliant film. Well, yeah, the Telemark, the Telemark, yeah, um, yeah, that's another the Telemark one. raid. That, I mean, that's you know, although that it's not. You know, it took about five months, though, didn't it? Because they, didn't well, they yeah, yeah, exactly. It took, the previous, it took them ages, and it takes yeah, all winter. And, yeah, and then they end up having to sink that ferry. Yes. Um. Uh. Uh. So it doesn't end glamorously, or with a with a. I mean, that's that's a that's an extra. That I mean, that in many ways sort of highlights the sort of the whole grim m- m- uh, mix of morality in those in those kind of missions. They had to they had to sink that ferry and they killed all the people on it. You know, like yeah, well, not all the people, but you know, like the, how bitter and bitter a thing is that to have to do. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you've got. Um, and I suppose actually the closest thing is Scorsese rescuing Mussolini, but you know, it's the yes. other way around, isn't it? Could, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in his in his feasless stalk on the top of the Grand Sasso. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a sort of fair bit of it. But I mean, the, the the thing about where Eagles Dare is, in principle, you know, that I suppose that would be possible to mount an operation like that. But but what's that point? Yeah, you know, why not just bomb the place? That's the answer, isn't it? And that's what they're always going to go for because of, yeah, because of the risk yeah. of being caught and compromised and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, that's it for this week. If you missed any of our Christmas book readings, they're still up um, on the internet wherever you get your podcasts. They are. Um, and please um, do. We, I really enjoyed doing that. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I did. It was great fun, wasn't it? Um, and please do keep getting in touch uh, either by Twitter using the hashtag We Have Ways um, or by um, the email if you're old. 
Um, we have ways podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Fantastic. And if there are any more World War II themed boozers out there, please let us know. Cheers. Cheerio. Cheerio.